This is the Indie Drills Podcast, and I'm your host, Chad Wilson. I'm also the owner of All Eyes DB Camp and author of 101 DB Tips. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about any and everything having to do with defensive back play. From technique to current events, we'll cover it all just like the guys in the back half blanket the wide receivers. I have over 20 years playing and coaching and training in this game, and I'm ready to use all of that experience to bring you the best experience in the Indie Drills podcast. So let's go. Listeners, if you haven't had a chance to do it yet, pick up your copy of the 101 DB Tips ebook. It's the ultimate reference guide for defensive back play. If you're a player, a coach, or a trainer of defensive backs, then this is something you absolutely have to have in your library. I discuss everything in this book from playing man-to-man coverage, to zone coverage, to how to train, to how to improve your footwork, your eye discipline, and body control. Literally everything pertaining to defensive back is covered in this book. Over 20 years of playing, coaching, and training defensive backs has gone into the making of this ebook, and I'm proud to say that it has helped players and coaches from the little leagues all the way to the college level. Make a point to check this book out now. If you're serious about being the best at what you do, make that purchase. You can find the book by going to 101dbtips.com. That's 101dbtips.com. Welcome to the Indie Drills Podcast with your host, Chad Wilson, owner and operator of All Eyes DB Camp and author of 101 DB Tips, which I am pleased to announce is now out in softback. So we've got a physical form of the book there for guys that need that, don't necessarily jive with the ebook thing, not really into that, need to have a physical book in your hand. We've got that for you right now. Head on over to shop.alleyesdbcamp.com or you can go to 101dbtips.com. That'll take you to the ebook version, but there's also a link there that will get you to that soft cover version of 101db Tips, the ultimate defensive back reference guide. A great thing for you guys, especially heading into the season, you know, during the season, you'll run into some pitfalls, some roadblocks. There's a lot of stuff in there definitely that can help you and give you a little guidance as you run into those rough patches that we always uh, run into at some point during the season. So it's great reference for you in the off season as you're training because there's plenty of information in there about that. But then there's also stuff in there that you can use during the season like studying film and uh, little you know reminders that you need to brush up on when it comes to playing zone, man, playing in the slot, bunch of stuff in there. It's 101 DB tips, man. This is basically 20 years of experience being put on paper there for you in a, in a good way. I have a little bit of a writing background, and so uh, being able to combine those two things was a really good thing for me. So um, the softback version of the book is now available, but it's in limited quantities, guys. So if you want the book and you want it now, you really should get on over there and get your order in so that you're not in any type of delay in getting that. But I'm happy to have you guys joining me here. It's a DB podcast, and um, we get to talk defensive uh, defensive play here, especially defensive back, something that is widely ignored. And that's going to be a part of what I talk about today on the show. Part of uh, one of the things I want to talk about is just training camp coverage. I've been you know paying attention to this for the last few years. Um, you know, obviously coverage of training camps and preseason camps in college football is certainly different than in my day. 
there's this thing called social media now where you, um, you know, a lot of what you're doing is being not only filmed, but broadcast out there. So I'm going to jump into that uh, and, and among other things on the show. The main topic here, though, is studying film as a defensive back. Good topic for us to hit since we are heading into that football season. And some of you in high school have already started playing games. So we know how important studying film as a defensive back is. So we're going to jump into that. I also have a question that I will turn into a, a topic here because it's something that I think is really, really important, both for coaches and players. So looking forward to get into that, man. If it's your first time here and you're a defensive back, you've definitely landed in the right place. If you play uh, anywhere on the defense or if you're spying from the offensive side of the ball, look, I get it, man. You, you know, you're doing your homework, whatever the case may be. But if it's your first time here and you haven't had a chance to do it yet, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you are notified the next time I put out a great episode like this one i'm going to be doing this weekly uh during the season took a little break here i needed a little r&r after that long summer training session man and if you were down here in south florida you know what i'm talking about folks this had to be one of the hottest summers on record down here in south florida i mean i was leaving those morning training sessions absolutely drenched i mean it's good if you're into weight loss and you're not trying to put any weight on but my goodness you are thirsty, you are sapped, and you know you are just lost all your electrolytes and everything else. If you were chick out in this thing and humidity is an enemy, your hair was messed up this year. I guarantee you that down here in the summer. This was a really, really hot summer all across the nation. But when it's like that, it's extremely humid down here in South Florida. So any teams coming down here to South Florida to play FIU, to play Miami, to play the Dolphins, and you're from up north... My goodness, you better be ready. You better be ready because it is humid as hell down here right now. And um, it's going to suck the life out of you. It certainly sucked the life out of me. So I need a little time for some R&R. Recharge the batteries. Get ready for this in-season, which is basically my off-season. So I uh, took a couple of weeks off from the podcast. But I'm back now, and we're going to hit this thing full bore, ready to go. All right. Um, what's, what's the current events? This is a current event. For a guy who was playing defensive back, but I didn't really think he needed to be doing that. And I'm talking about the guy that got traded today from the Arizona Cardinals, and that's one Isaiah Simmons. You know, I, I found it rather interesting, intriguing to see this six foot four, nearly 240 pound man lined up deep on a couple of snaps beginning in the training camp here, uh, playing free safety. Isaiah Simmons, who, you know, played linebacker primarily in college at Clemson, where he won the Butkus Award. That's how good he played linebacker. Won the Butkus Award, doing his thing there. And for the first three seasons in Arizona, he was a linebacker, playing inside, playing outside. You know, they had him doing a little bit more of the defensive back type stuff last year uh, with Cliff Kingsbury from the previous regime. Um, under Vance Joseph, who's a very accomplished defensive coordinator. He has a nice track record in the league, but they used him a little bit more in the type of a DB role, you know, sometimes nickel, sometimes trying to cover guys in the slot, cover tight ends. I would say uh, he was kind of 50-50 in that role. There was nothing really happening there in coverage that you could really say, okay, there's a tremendous future there in it. Maybe you were intrigued enough to say maybe we give him some reps here and just kind of see how it goes. But I was very surprised to see him back there at safety. Well, whatever the case was, he didn't have a great game 
uh, last week in the preseason game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and that's to say the least. I don't know how much stock we need to put into preseason football games when you're a veteran. It's not really like there's some proving ground there for you. It's not as important as it is to rookies. Um, but apparently when you've got a new regime, and guys should know this, it is very, very important. And for whatever reason, and I'm look, I'm sure there's some things behind the scenes that went on here that we may never know about. But for whatever reason, uh, that bad game was enough for new head coach Jonathan Gannon of the Arizona Cardinals and the GM Monty Austin for it, and, and they shipped Isaiah Simmons off today for a seventh rounder. Now, folks, we're talking about a former eight-round pick not five, six, seven years ago, three years ago. The 2020 NFL draft, the eighth pick in that draft was Isaiah Simmons, and today he shipped off as the Cardinals pulled the plug on his safety defensive back full-time experiment, ship him off to the New York Giants for a seventh-round pick. Seeing this news today, I was very shocked by that. Um, I have long said, let's put Isaiah Simmons on the edge and get him after the passer and make things easier for the guys in the secondary for the Cardinals who um, have more experience playing it back there. But I have a feeling Isaiah Simmons, who was a defensive back in high school, a tall, more slender guy at that time, um, just didn't see himself as that for whatever reason. That is my belief. All right, this is you know not anything solid. I know folks out there know that my son Marco Wilson plays for the Arizona Cardinals. I have no intel, no information on that from anyone in that uh, organization, let alone Marco, um, about any of that. So this is just me looking at things from a distance and trying to draw some conclusions. I know how it is sometimes when guys see themselves as a skill position player. That's what they did in high school. And they want to shrug off the changing of their body through the years and, and still view themselves as a skill position player. We've seen that as wide receivers who've grown into tight end size and don't want to move from you know, wide receiver to tight end. We've seen that happen. Um, we've seen that with defensive backs that have grown into linebackers. And... I think that might be the case here. I do. I will say this, man. I've definitely seen, especially from my alma mater, the University of Miami, where guys would get recruited that were linebackers and turned them into defensive ends. Saw defensive ends that were recruited and turned into defensive tackles because we're all about quickness. And one of the biggest conversions, um, a Hall of Fame type conversion, was a guy that came to the University of Miami, um, you know, in the class after me. Warren Sapp, who came there as a tight end and was turned into a defensive tackle. And so I'm latching on to this to say, for guys listening out there, it is one of the toughest things to have when you're young is good self-awareness. And there are probably some defensive backs out there right now or guys playing defensive back out there that you may be good at defensive back, you may not be good at defensive back, but someone out there sees something different for you and you're ignoring it, you're hell-bent on being this defensive back, and then it, it becomes this fine line um, that you've got to walk here. Is it just having belief in myself, which is one of my mottos in life, is believe in you, always bet on you. And then this other fine line where, man, there's comes a time when you've got to change course, and maybe what other people see in you is what is better for you. 
and I uh, again I I must say that that is a very difficult line to walk. In in Isaiah Simmons's case, I don't know what the, the staff was trying to get him to do, but I know watching him over the last two years as intently as I did because I'm watching all of the games. I've got a son on the team. I really think that he put his full mind to being an edge player and, of course, picking up a little bit of weight. I think he's a guy that's around 235, um, 235 pounds. If he could have picked up 10, 15 pounds in the offseason and been a 250-pound end, while that is a little bit undersized, um, guys like Demarcus Weir and, uh, you know, Kevon Thibodeau and with the Giants where Isaiah Simmons is headed off to are more 260. Um, he's still, with his quickness, this guy ran a 4-3 at the combine coming out. He has amazing athleticism. Uh, long body, long frame, can jump. I think he was an 11-foot broad. I don't remember his bird. It had to be great. 4-3-40. Uh, you know, maybe you're undersized, but, man, you're quicker than, you know, most or anyone playing that position. He really could have been... I think a big-time edge player, but, of course, he didn't see himself that way. So it's just a lesson to some of the guys out there. I have a feeling he's going to end up in New York playing more of that defensive end role, you know, off to the next team. They're telling you the same thing that the last team did, and maybe now you start to believe it a little bit. But for guys out there that think you're a uh, skill position player, specifically defensive back, since that's what we talk about on this show um, you've got to really evaluate yourself, have some self-awareness, and sometimes that move needs to be made. Maybe you're, you know, you're a safety, and you're, right now you're playing corner, and they're telling you you're a safety, and you don't see that, and maybe that's the move that needs to be made. Certainly have some experience with that, um, you know, within my own walls. Um, obviously, when you coach, you run into guys where position changes need to be made. I myself, uh, growing up. Um, in towards the end of my youth football career, heading into high school, was told by several, you're a defensive back. Now, I wanted to be a running back, and you guys got to understand, in the time in which I played, and we're talking the mid-'80s here, there weren't any defensive backs really doing it like that. There were guys that were great players, obviously, but they just didn't have any notoriety, um, and they just didn't have a swag to them you know and and besides when you're playing on the offensive side of the ball and especially running back back in those days because running backs in that time dominated football it's not like what they're going through right now where they're getting basically discarded running backs were the guys that had the football in their hands they scored touchdowns and they were really the leaders of the offense um you know by and large you know a lot of your hall of fame running backs came out of that era and so I thought I was that and I had guys telling me that I was a defensive back, and I resisted that for quite some time. Went into high school, all about running back, started playing some defensive back my junior year of high school, and it was more of a deal like, hey, Chad, go over there and you know, play defense, use your athleticism. Not a tremendous amount of coaching, and I don't want to take anything away from my coaches, but nothing huge on technique. Um, I kind of just lined up almost side-by-side side with receivers and press coverage, um, with the gate already open and just said, let's run down the field, see if you can outrun me, and I'm going to just cover you that way. It would be funny um, to watch that on film. I did I did fine doing that, but um, it was just, you know, go over there and use your athleticism. When I started to get recruited late in my high school career, by the way, it was all for defensive back. 
you know, college football coaches looking at me out there at 160 pounds said, there's no way you're a running back. And at that point in time, I was forced to come to grips with that. You know, I started to realize, all right, I'm not going to be a big guy. Do I really want to be taking those hits like that? Yes, I'm quick. I've scored touchdowns in high school. Um, I'm a pretty good offensive player, but I'm not, is that going to translate when I head over into college? And I didn't see that. Fortunately for me, I had the self-awareness to see that kind of forced by the fact that I wasn't a big guy. And made the move over to defensive back, and thank God, thank God I did that. I don't know what I would have been as a running back. I don't know how far I would have gone. Went, you know, pretty far as a defensive back. So I'm glad for that move. So you know, tying this Isaiah Simmons thing into you know my audience here, both for coaches uh, and especially for players, you've got to have some self awareness out there, and sometimes just take a real strong evaluation of yourself. If you've got a bunch of people telling you that this is your position. You might really want to take an honest, hard look at that um, and not put yourself in a position that you're in today. I don't know what's going to happen with an Isaiah Simmons. I mean, I hope personally his career goes in the, the way that he wants. I do not see him doing in New York what he was doing at the tail end here in, in Arizona. I don't see him lining up as a deep safety in the post. Uh, the Giants have some safeties that they believe in. And I don't know that they're going to shuffle things around like that to have him at safety. So if he was hell-bent on being a free safety, lining up in the post and on the hash, I then things are probably not going to go well for Isaiah Simmons, who at the end of this year is going to need a new contract. So I just have a feeling heading over to this new team, he's going to be a little bit more amenable to the things that the Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator for the New York Giants, is going to want him to do, whether that is coming off the edge primarily or dropping as a linebacker and occasionally being used as a defensive back. That's the way that I probably um, expect the Giants to use him. I think he's going to have to fall in line with that because, as I said, at the end of the year, he's going to be looking for a contract. And, you know, if things go the same way in New York as they do in Arizona, it's he's not he's not going to get the contract that he wants or a contract at all, probably, because that is major news when you are an eighth pick overall. And uh, now today you're giving away for a seventh round pick. It sends a message out to the rest of the league. And, you know, when that message is out there like that, it really does need to be uh, your next move needs to be a success. So that's the uh, that's the deal for Isaiah Simmons who was a defensive back, and now we're going to see really what he is. I want to slide on over now to training camp coverage. I alluded to that in the beginning. I just want to talk about that a little bit. I personally, and that just might be my DBIs, when I go around, uh, especially on Twitter, taking a look at what is shown from training camps, guys you know, fans love offense. And what do they say about offense in general? Offense sells tickets. Defense wins championships. So everyone out there is looking for content. They want views. They want, you know, that attention, whether you're a news outlet or you're a Twitter account trying to, you know, grow your your your, your views and your, your customer base and, you know, you're trying to rack up followers. I think you're going to lean towards offense. And so, you know, a wide receiver beating a defensive back is going to get shown a whole lot sooner than a defensive back Ding up a wide receiver. So we get to see this, these images more and more over and over, and it'll just have you believe that defensive backs are just getting cooked left and right in camp. Well, folks, people love offense, and that's really what that is. And one of the, my biggest introductions to that was a couple of years ago with Trayvon Diggs. It was a daily thing. Now, granted, this is the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, 
and you know everyone is wants to follow what the Cowboys are doing, what the players are doing, whether that is you hate them or you love them, they're still America's team, and that probably pisses some people off. It probably has them feeling the way I feel about Notre Dame. But nevertheless, showing Diggs like all of his failures, left and right, I don't know what the problem was. And if you went by what you saw from training camp coverage, you were just ready to say um, Diggs was a bust. I mean, he was coming off of some up and down kind of play, uneven play in that rookie season. He's heading into his second season, and he just looked like if you were following, um, it was going to be a really bad year, and this guy was going to you know, be an Alabama corner that just didn't pan out, which there have been some that have gone down that road. And what happens, he proceeds to go out there and have one all-time season. 11 interceptions was led to the big off-season contract. So, you know, if you're out there watching training camp coverage, the idea is to, A, pub up wide receivers, especially if they're rookies, and, B, make all the quarterbacks in the league look really, really good unless it's a guy that, you know, the media outlets for a local team don't really want to be the starter. Um cue up a guy like Trey Lance you know I feel like there's a little bit of an agenda up that way now granted Trey Lance is not you know your pure pocket passer and probably has some accuracy issues but I think um, his performance up there was overblown and that was to probably meet some type of an agenda there but by and large they're gonna make those uh, quarterbacks look really really good especially if they switch teams or if they're a rookie quarterback you know if you were following in OTAs and minicamp all the rookie quarterbacks were doing great. Bryce Young doing great. C.J. Stroud was awesome. He was just going to be that guy. And, you know, that obviously remains to be seen. But come on, fellas. Um, all these rookie quarterbacks aren't going to be good. You'd be lucky if one of these guys really has any kind of a year you can hang a hat on. But that is the idea as they, you know, present us with training camp coverage and offseason coverage. So don't. Don't take much out of that coverage as it relates to defensive backs. You know, they're going to show defensive backs getting beat left and right. You guys can drop me a message on Twitter or send me an email to cwilson at alleyesdbcamp.com and let me know if I'm off base here. Am I um, looking at this through some kind of biased DB glasses? But it just looks to me like a lot of the coverage that's out there in the offseason, especially training camp, is heavily slanted towards offense. That's just what I'm seeing out there. So, on to the next topic. And that is a question. I'm going to build um, the question into you know a little bit of a subtopic that we have going on today. And again, this is all really cluing in with the time of year that we're in because we're in some training camps and um, we are at the beginning of the season here where guys are looking for positions or trying to get themselves set up for the season. And this question comes from Jaden in Kansas who says, I trained using a man technique all off season and got to the point where I was really, really good at it. And I'm using it when in, I'm using it when I am in camp and it's working for me, but the coach wants me to use his technique and I am not doing very well when I'm using his technique. I've continued to use my own technique as much as possible as I want to be successful. However, the coach has been upset about it and has moved me out of the first team and is 
I am now taking reps with the second team. And it seems to be largely based on the issue over technique. All right. This is not a unique situation. And so I'm going to talk both the players and coaches here with regards to this. First, I'm going to talk to the player. Jaden, you've got to understand the hierarchy and the pecking order when it comes to playing football and being on a football team. And I think this is something that's getting lost now in our current generation. Um, but the I, the pecking order is the coach is the one with the leverage here. The coach is the one that's responsible for your playing time. The coach is the one that's um, going to decide who's starting, who's playing, who's not getting in the game. So with that being the case, I think you need to kind of figure out how it is that coach wants you to play and do all that you can to learn the intricacies of his technique. Now, I know what happens sometimes. You may, in fact, be right, Jaden. The technique that you're using that you learned in the offseason may be the proper technique, A, for the type of coverage you guys are playing, the type of defense you're playing in, and for your body type and skill set. You may be absolutely right in that regard. However, that coach has an idea of how things need to be. And I know what happens with guys. You have success with this technique. And because you're having success with this technique, which let's just call it your technique or maybe your trainer's technique, it is limiting you mentally from giving your all to the technique that the coach wants you to execute. You're not putting your full effort into learning, adapting, and grasping the technique that that coach is trying to put forth to you. And so it's putting you in a bind with the person that has the leverage here that is responsible for you getting on the field. It's not good. If your coach is hellbent, if he's hard set on a particular technique, whether that's in man, zone, whatever the case may be, if he's hard set on that and he has no budge on it, well, man, it's not going to matter if your technique is working for you. You'll never have a chance to really go execute your technique. If you're standing next to him on Friday night or Saturday night or, or Sunday afternoons and not getting on the field because you're in some kind of open defiance of what it is that coach wants you to do. So I'm going to run this back to you again. I understand that you have your technique. You are going to have to put a full effort into learning the technique that the coach wants you to do. How do you do that? You are going to have to pay 100% of attention when he is demonstrating the technique. You're going to need to watch guys that are executing the technique on the team the way the coach wants it and are having success with it. I mean, really study them and understand why they are having success with it. And then you're going to have to spend some time before and after practice mimicking that technique, learning that technique, perfecting that technique. The worst thing that can happen for you here, Jaden, is that you now become proficient in two different techniques. Wouldn't that be a great thing? And maybe now after you've satisfied the coach's wishes, you will have a little bit more leeway with him at some point during the season to come in and say, hey, coach, uh, listen, I would really love to use this technique in these situations. I love your technique, coach. Uh, I've been able to master it or I've been able to get really, really better at it, as you've seen. 
would it be okay, coach, if I used your technique in this situation? And then in this particular situation right here, I think I could have a little bit more success if I use this other technique at this time. Perhaps you can do that with your coach. Whatever the case may be, though, you've got to take time out to really learn that coach's technique and try to perfect it. And at, like I said, at the end of the day, when all is said and done, if you learn to be really, really good at two different techniques, well, then now you're a guy, you're you're a handyman on the job with two different tools to get that job done. And sometimes um, it might take those two tools. Sometimes it's really great to be able to switch up techniques and not really let the, uh, the wide receiver you're covering know exactly what they're going to be facing. So... Um, that's a real benefit to you if you can get that done. But again, you're going to have to unblock your mind from thinking that his technique's never going to work from you, for you. And you've got a technique that's going to work. And because I've got this technique that's going to work, I, I'm not going to put that full effort into learning the coach's technique. That's just going to be bad news for you. You're going to end up watching. You're going to feel like the coach has got it out for you. That could end up turning into all kind of hurt feelings, bad feelings, and now you're on the sidelines, and it doesn't matter what technique you're, you've come up with to use. It's not going to matter if you're just standing on the sidelines. Your technique is you're going to have to develop a technique for holding a water bottle because that's about all you're going to do. So it is in your best interest, Jaden, to learn his technique. That's the bottom line. Now that I have said that, let me slide over to the coaches here. And I'm talking primarily to the younger coaches in this game because I know how it is. Obviously, I've been that young coach, and I can remember being in this situation and having some regrets for some of the things that I did. I know what it's like when you're a young coach, a new coach in this game, wanting to establish yourself, establish who you are, one of the big things we do is hold on to a technique, especially if it was something we use when we we're playing and it tremendously helped us and we're so grateful and we think that this worked for me. It's going to work for everybody. It's going to bring everyone the success and the feeling that I had then. It, I'm going to, this is why I became a coach, to give guys that feeling and give them the success and maybe even more than what I had when I was playing. And so now I'm going to get them to be that guy too. And this technique is going to be the answer. This is that one technique. Defensive back coaches, especially young ones, start developing this mindset of this is the only way that this can be done. There's only one way to skin the cat, and I have that technique. I have that magical thing. That's what makes me the great coach. That's what makes me better than the next guy. That's why you should come play for me. Or if you're a trainer, that's why you should come train with me and not train with anyone else because I have this magic technique. I'm here to tell you it's not about your technique. It's about reaching out to that player, whether you're coaching him or training him, and getting the best out of him. That's what it's about. That's where you separate yourself from the next guy, not your magical little technique. So I had a guy, um, I coached a really, really great secondary at American Heritage. I'm not going to really name names as to who this person was, but... Um, three of those guys in the secondary in the NFL right now. And they're, you know, on their way to being um, some of the best guys in the league. But I had a young man on the team who was really, really talented. And he had a great, he had a great season. 
um, by and large, had a great season. Went off to college. We won a state championship. We did all that. We were great on defense. But as I looked back on it after he was gone, I said I did this kid a disservice. Um, if anyone's been on my, you know, my pages, uh, if you're a member, if you're a subscriber to my members area, if you've been on my blog some, you know I love catch technique. And I was hell-bent on the guys in the slot playing catch technique. And that's whether we were playing cover one or we were playing zero. I even had the guys in zero playing catch technique. Now, some guys can get that down. Some guys have the balls to do it, especially in a cover zero, knowing that, hey, man, if I miss this jam, there's no one back there. Um, and other guys, not so much. Then there's other guys who are built to move their feet. And the guy that I'm talking about had really, really quick feet. I might say the quickest feet of anyone in that secondary. And I forced him, pigeonholed him into this catch technique. And I know it's a tough thing for coaches here because you want all your defensive backs to look the same. It's kind of like the, the farmer, uh, the ranchman who wants to put his brand on all his cows there. When you see this cow, you know it came from this ranch, Yellowstone Ranch. You want all your guys to look the same, you know, like stormtroopers out there. When they go to camp, whether I'm there or not, all these guys look the same and someone sees them in the stands and says, yeah, that's my, that's, that, he must be coached by that guy. He must have been coached by Chad Wilson. That's one of Chad Wilson's guys. I know that feeling. You got to get off. You got to drop that ego. What you do want is everyone coached by you can go anywhere into any situation and they can maximize their results because you, as a coach, can connect with that player, understand how he ticks, get the most out of what he brings physically and his attributes and, and have him play in a way that he can get the most out of his body and mind. So if I look back into that situation... I probably should have had a little bit of leeway in terms of what I allowed that player to do when he was in slot coverage. Perhaps you needed, perhaps that young man needed to scooch. Perhaps he needed to play a technique where he could move his feet a little more, give maybe a little bit more ground and do that. That's how I look back at it. And you guys got to, coaches got to understand that. Assess the player, assess his attributes, try to get an, uh, an understanding of how his mind works and kind of formulate a technique and system that's going to work for him. Now, here comes the problems with that. Number one, if the only thing you know is that one technique, guys will be afraid to even admit that because that's some kind of a weakness for a DB coach to just outright admit, oh, I don't, I don't know that technique. I don't understand that other technique. It's in your best interest to go and learn those things in the offseason. Yes, you have a way or a technique that you really, really like, but spend some time going out in the offseason, go to clinics, talk to other guys, watch some film, connect with other people, and discuss some other techniques. Because lo and behold, you're going to get a really, really good player that's going to probably struggle to learn your technique as much as you try, and you're not going to be able to reach him, and that really, really talented player is not going to feel confident out there. He may not even be able to do enough for you to be out on the field, and he's standing next to you on game day. Or he ends up transferring out when all you needed to do was really connect with that player and maximize his physical and mental talents. So I'm a hardcore, hard-pressed guy when it comes to press. Don't really like to see guys backing out much at the line. 
I will allow guys to play soft press. A, because I know there's a point, there's, there's some coverages where you're better off playing soft press. Um, and then there's other times where you play hard press. And then on top of that, having spent time on the offensive side of the ball, and that was a big key for me too, is being an offensive coordinator for a certain amount of time in my coaching career is understanding that ha- being able to vary your techniques when going against a wide receiver is a really, really great thing. Because if you line up and you're doing that same thing every time, those guys will plot on you. And now your really, really great technique has to be A1, or these guys will formulate a way. It'd be really nice to just just think about this. If the offense could line up every time and know exactly what coverage you're in, how successful do you think you will be as a defense or as a defensive coordinator calling cover two every snap in a game or cover three every snap in a game or cover one every snap in a game? They're going to find ways to beat that. And so if you can sometimes soft press, sometimes hard press, sometimes catch in a slot, sometimes scooch in a slot, sometimes pedal in a slot, you've given your player multiple tools and now he can formulate a game plan against a player. The other thing I understand is you don't want guys going willy-nilly. If I let player A use a little bit of his own technique, player B is going to think he can do that too. Player C is going to think he can do that too. And everyone's going to be out there doing their own thing and I'm going to lose control of my room. That's not true. If you're really a, a, a true coach, you're going to understand that you don't have a mold for every single player. Okay? This is not Penn State under Joe Paterno with the all-white, um, you know, all-white uniform and the plain helmet. Everyone just looks the same, all right? Maybe there was a time that it's like that. It's not like that anymore. Not all these wide receivers that come out and you play in a game are going to have the same releases. So, you know, why should all of your DBs have the same technique? Now, if your entire group can play that one technique and do it well, well, then everyone would play that. But you find your richness as a coach and also as a trainer by finding out what would suit best for that player given his attributes. So a smaller 5'8", 5'9", corner might benefit more from playing a little soft press and using his feet to cut off guys and, and keep them away from the ball rather than standing in there and hard press and maybe getting manhandled at the line or getting his back turned pretty quick and now he's 5'9", going against a six foot two guy and the ball's thrown off the top of his helmet or it's a lot of jump balls and he's got his back to the wide receiver and he's just getting beat on those balls all the time. Wouldn't it be better for him to soft press, cut that route off from going deep and, and not even get it to a jump ball? So, looks, talking to my coaches and trainers out there, learn these other techniques in the offseason. Familiarize yourself with them. Yes, you have a home-based technique that you're going to use. That's going to be your main thing, all right? But have these other tools ready to go give your players, and now you can get your best players on the field, your best athletes on the field, and have them confident because they're doing something that matches their, tech, matches their athletic skill and their mindset. And this kind of goes back to, You know, the whole Isaiah Simmons thing I was talking about earlier in the podcast. You want that player to be doing what suits his skill set best. I mean, his mentality best. You want to get the most out of your player. So it's not cramming what you want to do down their throat. There'll be a time and place for that. What you want to cram down their throat is where they're supposed to be in a certain coverage because something like that is just not negotiable. You need to be in the deep third, deep as the deepest in cover three. You need to have inside leverage and two-man inside and underneath. 
You need to be over the top as a safety and cover two. Those things are not negotiable. A technique, that, that there's some leeway in there. And I know there's some hard-ass coaches out here that just, it's my way or the highway. I get it, man. But you know what? You want to get the most out of your players, you're going to have to find some leeway and some happy medium there. And so, I, you know, if I could go back in time, I would have done something slightly different with that player, and he could have had that much better a senior year. Now, mind you, he was one of the more intelligent players on my team. He'd uh, occasionally correct me on my defenses as I was drawing him up on the board. He was that smart. So in other ways, I did kind of give him some leeway. Sometimes, you know, caught him blitzing a few times when I didn't call him for a blitz. And, you know, without really announcing it to the rest of the team, I kind of let him go on that when he came off the field and explained to me what he saw and why he did it. I would allow him to do that. Um, and that's something I didn't allow other players to do. So that was me giving a player um, a bone and he was doing something that I wouldn't allow other players to do. And I was still very much in control of my unit. Um, and so when you're intelligent, um, you're forceful, um, you have compassion, uh, the guys feel like you care about them and you also know your stuff, you can maintain control of your room even when you allow a player to do something that falls a little bit outside of the guidelines or that's a little different from the rest of you guys. So I hope you coaches take that to heart and consider that. I know what it is to be that young coach and you want to brand your guys, but um, you can you can keep a really good player from being his best. You can alienate guys. You can get guys transferring out on you or you can get guys shutting down on you and you're not getting the best out of them. And I can't you know stress this enough. Your number one job as that coach is to get the most out of that player in football terms. Get the most out of that player. And it's not always going to be with with your techniques. All right. So you players out there, don't ignore all everything you just heard on that part. Cause it is whatever your coach wants to do. So if your coach is hearing me on this and that's the kind of coach he wants to be, well then you're going to have a little bit of leeway. If that's not what your coach wants to do and he's hardcore, he's super old school and it's his way of the highway. Well then it's his way of the highway. You're not going to force your way into doing things the way that you want to do. It's just not going to work. That's going to be a real bad situation there. Unless you somehow get in a game, do what you want to do, and you really, really super produce. I mean, like you totally lock someone down and you get yourself a couple of interceptions, and you better have success early if you're going to cram your technique down your coach's throat. Or it's just going to be over for you. You're not, you're not going to be playing, and then you're going to be looking to, to transfer and go somewhere else. All right? So, Jaden, um, hey, man, you got lucky today. I turned your question into a whole topic here on the show, so I hope that really, really helps you. Um, you know, I think if you learn your coach's technique and put an earnest effort into it, I suspect he's kind of moved you down in the depth chart because he doesn't feel like you're giving that honest effort to do it. Don't get me wrong. He's seeing you use that other te technique and win, but he wants to also keep control of his entire unit. He can let you win on using your own technique and lose the rest of the unit, and that's not going to work for your secondary. You might play well, but eventually, you know, the other guys in the secondary may not play as well, and that's a losing proposition for him. Not, not only will your team suffer, the defense will suffer, that guy might lose his job, and I promise you he's not going to lose his job, get that REMAX sign put on his lawn, and pull his kids out of school and have to move out of his house over you wanting to use your own technique. I can guarantee you that right now. So... On to the next, and that's going to be our main topic today. And as I said, it's something 
that uh, falls in at the right time of the season as we're, you know, we're heading into the season. It's August now, heading into September, and so games are, are starting to be played. And if you're in college, they're about to be played. If you're in the NFL, they're about to be played. And so a crucial part of um, the football season is studying film, Mac. If, you're, if you want to be an A-plus, first of all, if you want to be an A-plus player at any level, this includes youth football. You've got to watch film. And if that's not a part of something you like to do, want to do, if that's not a part of your routine, you will not hit your peak. If you get nothing else out of this podcast today, if you stumbled into this podcast and that's the only thing you heard today, hear that. Step that one in your brain. If you're not a guy that watches film, you're just not going to prosper. You had a chance to watch that Netflix special with Johnny Manziel and talking about how he doesn't watch film. It eventually catches up with you. So, all right, somehow he got through college with it and he just played uh, street ball in college. And I guess that worked in college. How'd that work for him when he got to the NFL? He was out of there quick, fast and in a hurry. And that's typically what's going to happen. And there are other guys in the league who have just not reached their potential because they just don't enjoy this part of it. So you have to watch film and study your opponent if you want to reach your optimum, you want to reach your peak as a player. Okay, so as I said, film study is a crucial aspect of success for any defensive back in football. It really does allow you to gain a competitive edge by understanding your opponent's tendencies, uh, recognizing formations, anticipating plays. If you want to be able to do that, watching film is where it's at. So, we're going to explore some essential steps here and strategies that will enhance your film study as a defensive back. And by developing these film studying habits, you're going to be able to elevate your game. You're going to make more impactful plays this season, and you're going to become a formidable force in the secondary. That's everything that you envisioned while you were training this offseason. So you did all the little physical work. You ran. You lifted the weights. You did your drill work. Now it's time to play for real, and you got to add this to it. So the first thing you're going to do is establish a routine. Just like with anything else, consistency is the key. That's my motto here with All Eyes, DB Camp. So you're going to have to establish a routine. Establish a regular routine that works for you. Okay, so that means allocate dedicated time each day or week to focus solely on film study, and you just cannot be distracted. Treat it as something that is non-negotiable. This is a non-negotiable part of your training regimen. By setting aside these specific time slots for film study, you're going to prioritize its importance and you're going to ensure that it becomes an ingrained habit. Just like practice starts at a certain time each day, so too does your film study period. It's not negotiable. Practice is every day or practice is at 4 p.m. Your film study is at whatever time you set it at and do it at the same time each day, each week. It's as important a piece of the puzzle as anything else you're going to do. All right, now when we get into the film study, you're going to need to analyze formations and pre-snap reads. Now by examining the offense's formations and their pre-snap cues, um, you're going to be identifying the alignment of receivers, tight ends, running backs. Pay attention to their splits. They mean something. Guys don't just break out of the huddle and run and line up wherever. It's specifically outlined in the playbook um, or in a given place where a guy is going to line up. So by... You know, performing this analysis, you can provide valuable insights into the potential routes that are coming your way, the blocking schemes that could involve, you know, getting a hat on you, and the overall play tendencies. Once you've recognized these patterns and formations, you can start anticipating some of the uh, your opponent's intentions 
and react more quickly during the play. When you're able to anticipate something, you're going to react quicker, and that's key to you getting your hand on the ball, whether that's a pass breakup or an interception. While watching film, you got to constantly ask yourself why. Why is the running back aligned on one side or the other of the quarterback if they're in shotgun? Why is the tight end standing up on this play and he's in a three-point stance in another? It's not by coincidence. Why is the Z receiver now lined up outside of the X? Or why is the Z receiver, you know, the, the, the guy that's normally the slot or the guy that's normally off the ball now on the ball? you got to seek answers to those questions, too, once you've developed these questions. You've got to get an understanding of why they are doing this, because very few of those things pre-snap are by coincidence. They don't just go in motion just to go in motion. They don't just line up on the ball or off the ball. All of these things mean something. So now you have all that. The next thing is to focus on key players and routes. Once the play is in motion, you've got to shift your attention to specific players and their routes. You got to observe the releases of the receivers, especially if you're a team that plays a whole lot of press. Um, observe the releases of the receivers from the line of scrimmage. You got to, you know, take note of their footwork and their breaks. You got to identify the primary targets and their preferred routes. You got to understand the tendencies of the key players, recognize route combinations, and all this allows you to position yourself more effectively and make impact plays on the ball. There's nothing worse than just being out there for a whole you know, four quarters and you didn't do anything in the game. One of my pet peeves was a guy coming to me and be like, yeah, well, yeah well, how, hey, how was your game? It was great, man. Um, I didn't allow a catch in the game. Oh, that's wonderful. I don't want to hear that. Maybe they didn't throw a ball your way. You still got to go be an impactful player. Go chase a ball down. Go chase a play down. Knock a ball out. Go do something. It'd be nice to be able to do that. So take notice of where the receivers start. Um, where they end up, that's important. It's an important part of offensive football. The use of space is everything to an offense. So take note of how teams use that space and how they exploit it. The next thing now is to study the quarterback tendencies. Analyzing the opposing team's quarterback tendencies can be highly advantageous. Everything runs through the quarterback. You know, they love quarterbacks now in football. So study the quarterback and their tendencies. Take note of the pre-snap reads. Take note of their cadence and their overall decision-making. Pay attention to their favorite targets, their throwing mechanics, the preferred areas of the field they like to throw. This kind of knowledge is going to enable you to anticipate their intentions. And again, we're using that word, anticipate. Being able to anticipate allows you to jump routes, disrupt passing plays. you got to look for cues in that quarterback's footwork and his body language. This might reveal their intended target or the type of throw they're going to make. Again, a lot of those things are not by accident. So look for little quirks in their stance their foot positioning, or, you know, pre-snap glances, looking at a certain receiver two or three times more than they're looking at someone else might give you a clue of something that might be coming. Study that quarterback. They have tendencies. They want to be comfortable back there, so there's things that they're going to do over and over, and a lot of times it's things that they're not recognizing that they're doing. Um, the next thing you need to do is develop a personal database, okay? So don't just look at those things and let it go by you got to create a, a database and track your film study findings. You never know. You might face a team again in the playoffs. Or if you're a junior, a sophomore, or even a freshman, you might face that same team next year. It would be nice to have a little library already there. It will help your film study next year. And then, you know, if they're doing some new things, you can just add the new things on there. It's going to help you out. But keep a library, a little database. Use you know, the video editing software and specialized apps to annotate plays and tag them with relevant information. Huddle is great. 
lot of you guys just use Huddle to make your highlight videos. You start digging into Huddle, man, there's a lot of things that you can do there and help yourself in terms of taking notes on an opponent. Dig into that Huddle app. The personalized database becomes a valuable resource for your future reference. Um, it allows you to refresh your memory quickly before facing specific opponents or, you know, reviewing their own performances like how you played. The final thing now is seek feedback and collaborate. Don't just limit your film study to individual efforts. Engage with your coaches. Kind of talk to them about some things that you've seen. That will impress them, and it may allow you to get some feedback from both your coaches, captains, and other guys on the defense and put all you guys on the same page. It's impressive when all that comes together. You guys can share insights, your observations, and then you guys have better questions both in meetings and practices. Now, by collaborating with your teammates and coaches, you can provide, you know, maybe some alternative perspectives. They may help you see something that you didn't see, and you may do the same, and it helps refine your understanding of the game and your opponent. You guys got to create an environment of open communication and, you know, even some constructive criticism. This enables everyone to benefit from the shared knowledges and experience. There's nothing like all of you guys being on the same page. <coughs> Excuse me there. Um, it's nothing like being able to look at your safety as a corner or your, you know, look at your corner as a safety and you guys just make eye contact. Sometimes you don't even have to say anything. It's just a look. Team breaks out of the huddle and it's that formation that you guys talked about. It's that particular guy in the slot. We talked about this situation. When they line up like this, I'm going to do this. Help me out by doing that. Now you can go jump around and have a little help over the top. Or that safety can go dive down there and you can cover him over the top. Whatever the case may be. But when you guys can just communicate with a look, now you're on to something. All right, so guys, studying film as a defensive back, it's an art that requires dedication and attention to detail. Okay, so you're going to have to cut down on your Snapchat and your Instagram time. Your screen time usage is going to have to fall because you're going to have to give way to this this thing that you need to do, which is study film so you can be the best player that you can be. All that other stuff can wait for the offseason or later on in life. When you establish a consistent routine on analyzing formation and the pre-snap cues and focusing on the key players and the routes and studying the quarterback's tendencies and creating, you know, the personal database and then talking it over with your coaches and your teammates, you can take your film study to brand new heights. And this is going to, if you're in high school, this is going to carry into college and it's going to it's going to cause you to be a success at that college level, and it's most definitely going to help you if you are one of the few, few, few lucky ones to make it to the pro level. If you come into that pro game as a studier of film, you've got a leg up on everybody. So elevate your understanding of the game through um, a, an intense amount of film study. It's going to make it's going to allow you to be to make better informed decisions out on the field. You're going to react faster. You're going to be able to anticipate. You're going to make more impactful plays. You're going to feel good after the game that you actually did something. You got your hands under the ball. You made a great tackle. You got a couple interceptions. You're going to turn yourself into a playmaker. It's going to be impressive to your coach, to your teammates, and you're just going to feel good about it. And then you may find out you really do like the X's and O's and strategy of the game. And that's all going to come from film study. Now you just watch regular games on TV and you're calling plays out. How great is that? There's no greater feeling, though, than lining up as a player and kind of really knowing what's about to come your way instead of having to react to everything. 
Wouldn't it be nice to be in a boxing ring and know when your opponent is going to jab and when he's going to throw the right hook, when he's going to throw an uppercut, you just avoid that punch and counterpunch? That's what it's like when you're on the field as a player studying film and you know what's coming. I know that out route's coming. I know the deep shot is coming right here from this part on the field based on the way that I know they're throwing the fade route right now. How great would that be? I get questions from guys all the time. I keep getting I keep getting beat on this route and this route keeps beating me. You know what? Part of that can be corrected when you just kind of know when that play is coming. You kind of know when that route's coming. It can help you. All right. So again, guys, dig into the film study. And that's it for me here. All right. I've driven my point home. Start getting on that. If this doesn't fire you up right now to just get once this podcast is off, uh, and after you've subscribed to the podcast, go watch some film. And get into that and just watch what kind of player you end up being this season. Watch all the plays that you end up making. All right, I want to thank you guys for joining me here and listening on the show today. Again, on your way out, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you uh, can be notified when I put out another one like this. And again, those are going to be weekly. Also, guys, uh, I do have that All Eyes DB Camp members here. You can go to alleyesdbcamp.com. Check out my blog there. Of course, if you go to alleyesdbcamp.com forward slash sign dash up, um, you can join that members area. And there's over 200 videos there on, you know, all kinds of stuff. Analysis of technique, training tips, drills, breakdown of coverages, all that good stuff. And then finally, listen, you're a defensive back. You're a defensive back coach. the, The sales on this book have just been awesome. First as an ebook, and now I've got the soft cover version, and that is just being bought up left and right. Coach, player, you should have a copy of 101 DB Tips. So um, head over to 101dbtips.com, and you can pick up the ebook, which is delivered to you immediately, or you can order the soft cover, uh, soft cover version. We'll get that in the mail to you right there. But it's definitely something you need to have in your library as you head into this season. All right, once again, guys, thanks for listening. And until next week, All Eyes DB Camp, consistency breeds results.